welcome back to the Realm Podcast, our series that is going into uh, different cyber insurance, cyber insurance, cyber technologies, cyber warranties, seems all things cyber. Um, I'm Robert Williams, and uh, again, I'm still joined with uh, Brian. Go ahead and introduce yourself again if you want. Yeah, hey guys. Brian Waltermeyer, CEO, founder, DLT Alert. Thank you for visiting. Yeah, and you know, we're, we're always... Uh, always appreciative of new listeners that come in here so uh, today's uh today's episode we're going to be diving into a little bit for uh warranties one of the things that dlt does is they do cyber warranties which may be a little different than things you've heard of usually you hear cyber insurance and cyber warranty is not really something we hear often so i kind of want to hear a little more about the warranty kind of the like what would be the differences and what should be the expectations of a warranty over the insurance yeah yeah no it's, it's a good place to start i appreciate the question so you know everything is based on the association of a peril or an, an incident right and what coverage do i need to protect my business in this case from a specific peril or set of perils and, uh, you know, cyber insurance has been having a difficult time achieving that profitably. There's, uh, you know, upwards of 65, 75%, in some cases over 100% loss ratios. That means, and some, some carriers are losing 100% of the premium that they sell associated with cyber policies. That means that the risk that they are measuring and forecasting with relation to the price of the premium and the duration of the policy is inaccurate or measured not not well right so <clears throat> they're very broad but because of those dynamics um, it's, not, it's not just that they're measuring wrong that cy cyber attacks are, are just really kind of taking on a, uh, a you know one of these hockey stick curve <laughs> growth trajectories it really started in, in COVID time, but um, it's it's hard to to judge and assess based on a paper contract, a set of questions, and then a price, right? Because cyber attacks are so dynamic, what's happening is is so dynamic. They are also um, interconnected because of the internet, right? And one business can lead to another. Mm -hmm. For example, a third party service provider and a healthcare entity and a CPA firm that's doing the accounting work on the back end. They can, the healthcare entity can get hit, the service provider can get hit, CPA can get hit, and then other accounting customers can get hit of that CPA or completely unrelated, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, um, they, they often categorize them as like natural catastrophes and that cat uh, for, for, that, for that reason. So there are some significant challenges in the cyber insurance space currently more than ever. And cyber warranties, on the other hand, are not as broad of a coverage. They're, they're generally a bespoke level of coverage and they can be looked at in two different ways. The first way would be, I bought a hard drive for my computer and the hard drive failed. That piece of equipment is under warranty. That's how people typically see things. Or I bought a car and I bought the powertrain warranty for a hundred thousand miles and I got this warranty. If anything happens, I don't have to pay for that. Then there's kind of this world in between 
that can create a bespoke level of cyber protection, but associate it with some services that are providing a level of coverage. Mm -hmm. So the way that we looked at it is it's really an intelligent way to provide financial protection for a business through a warranty because we can assess the risk through technology and integrations at a much richer and persistent way than a carrier can or are. And we can associate a level of coverage with that data, with that assessment that will provide the, co the coverage that a business needs to get through a incident, right? Mm -hmm. So although not as broad, it can still provide the life-saving punch that a business may require post-incident. And you can associate that with different types of services and things like that. But essentially, warranty is very narrow, typically, and often associated with product or service, whereas cyber insurance is a much broader level of coverage that is providing some type of remedy and, you know, doesn't, is not able to assess all the risks as well, I would say. Okay. So we're, we're literally living kind of in between those worlds, mm -hmm. leverage a lot of the technology, a lot of the, all the real time data that we can gather, and then providing a level of coverage based on those tools. Um, and then leverage a lot of our backend technology to help uh, add a lot add more value for the customers and, you know, costs and things of that nature. Right, of course, of course. Yeah. And I do know, something that happens with a lot of companies sometimes is they won't qualify for insurance. So, right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know, well, not that I just work there, but I know that these warranties are very specific, which is if you have this utility, we're going to give a warranty for that utility. If you have right. this kind of, if you're using this program, we can make sure that that's working by tapping directly into the data. As you mentioned last week in the episode, you talked about, you know, just dealing with the data, not this person's account of what happened or that person's account of what happened. We're not talking about a car accident. The light was yellow. We're not talking about that right now. We're just looking at the data and, that's right. and, and covering the data from those services. So that's very specific on those warranties. And it's, and in most cases, I think more companies will want to have that specific type of coverage because they'll want to have those specific fail safes in place rather than just paying, you know, the absorbent amount of money for, uh, That's right. for an insurance company. Yeah. And, and what we're seeing is it, like you mentioned, it's becoming harder for companies to obtain coverage, typical cyber insurance coverage, one, because of the cost two because of the, uh, the securities or the cyber, the cyber tools that insurance carriers want to have in place before they'll underwrite a policy. They want to be super safe. They want assessments done. And there's a lot of jumping through hoops with additional cost to even maintain the same level of coverage that they may have had in the past. So from a value perspective, businesses are looking at that and saying, oh yeah, I think I really need this, but I'm paying three, four, five times more. And I'm having to do all these other things just to get the coverage I had last year. And they're looking for alternatives, right? right. So when I say that 
we're living in between the full cyber policy and what typically people associate as a warranty, we are. Because what most warranties are tied to a service. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned before, a hard drive fails, you could send that hard drive in, get it replaced. There are services now that are saying, hey, if you use our service and it doesn't work, you could maybe get some money. But what they're finding out is, is they're, they're really strict in the terms and conditions mm-hmm. of the service. And it's more of a marketing ploy to bolster the perceived value of obtaining that service than the actual feasibility of uh, financial protection in the case of a failure in that service, right? <laughs> right. So w- we looked at this, we can, we can access the data from these services and we can access the capacity from world, world-class reinsurers and we can facilitate the underwriting, the, the assessment and the adjudication by integrating these tools together and create a hybrid approach to full cyber versus traditional warranty that will deliver a level of protection that will help a small business through a peril or an attack of some kind. Right. Right. Yeah. And that ties into what you were mentioning last week about helping out the small businesses. And this actually is a perfect segue to what I wanted to kind of ask next, which is, you know, who who should benefit the most from these kinds of things? Because just just from a high level perspective, from what we've discussed last week and today so far, is it seems that, you know, this world between uh, that you that you mentioned, the world between worlds, if you will, is you've got this idea of a tool that seems beneficial for both, you know, people that want to have insurance and, and then the companies themselves of being able to help just kind of everyone, you know, instead of having to spend three weeks letting people dig through logs to find out what went wrong. Hey, here, here's your payout. It's going to happen the next day. So, um, so, but that's the that's the question here is you know from from your vision and what you wanted, and versus the reality of what we have today, you know who 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 was the benefited target? Like who did you want to benefit the most from this? Yeah, no, I appreciate the questions. We we wanted small media business to benefit the most. They're the ones who are getting squeezed out of this of the cyber insurance market. Mm-hmm. When I say prices uh, premiums have increased they've increased hundreds of percent for the same level of coverage that they could get before. And as these ideas were, were gelling that we discussed in the last episode of the realm, the, uh, you know, we had on our, at our managed service business, we had customers coming to us saying, Hey, I can't renew my cyber insurance policy because I don't have two factor authentication in my cloud backups how would that even happen? And in some cases it couldn't happen, right? Because right. they didn't control the cloud backups or you know, their provider or us or whatever the scenario is. And so what's that mean? They can't have coverage anymore. And now they're yeah. just left out in the cold because look, the, the risk is higher. Risks are escalating. Carriers are, do, are doing their best to assess these risks, to price these risks and what they're really doing is they're asking for for more 
protections of the business and they're asking for higher premiums to cover that risk mm-hmm. and we just saw that there was a better way to attack both of those variables right and small medium businesses are now able to get a level of coverage and have it remediated near instantaneously at a monthly rate right which is fractions of what they might pay for a full cyber policy. And and granted, in all fairness, it's not a full cyber policy, but it is a level of protection that if they are hit with that ransomware or that catastrophic attack, that we're assessing it and they're they're getting a payment same day, hours, et cetera. As fast as their financial institution will transmit, accept the payment, (laughs) which that's really the... uh, the bottleneck. It's not. It's not us because we're operating on chain. Right. So, uh, but you know, I digress. So, um, you know, really, we wanted to help those people who are being left out of the market, uh, which are a lot of the customers that we have on the managed service side. So we were seeing firsthand the challenges, and now they're just being left out in the cold. So okay, so I paid twenty five hundred dollars last year for coverage, and now you want me to pay ten thousand? And before I do that, I have to put two factor on my cloud backups. Amazon will let me do it at the time or whatever. Right. right? So they're just like, well, this is a terrible situation. What do we do? Right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, you know, we're, we're, in the, we're, we're filling that gap. Yeah. Right. It, it just seems a little unfair to have, uh, to increase the requirements for your insurance and increase the premiums in the same breath. I feel like right. if you're and increasing it just those to the, the, their capabilities yeah. to assess the risk properly, and it's they're they're, they're working with antiquated models mm-hmm. that worked for life insurance because the predictability of human lives has been somewhat predictable for the past hundred two hundred years, um, you know, with variations, but mm-hmm. you know, minimal. But cyber attacks have not been predictable. And that's no. the problem. So, so they're using antiquated models. They're trying to change those models to adapt to this whole new world of peril. And, well, yeah. you know, so, so, you know, technology does what technology does best. It kind of, you know, like, like water, it finds its way into the most uh, advantageous points yeah. or in some water's case, the worst points <laughs> for, for you, your house. But, you know, you know what I'm saying is, it, it, it goes in and it, it starts to create a solution unto itself. Um, and that's, and that's what we've done successfully. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely filling in the gaps, especially with the unpredictability as with, you know, when COVID happened and cyber cyber crime just kind of skyrocketed at cyber threats, all sorts of things. And it just reminds me when you mentioned earlier, the, um, something will hit one place and then it will hit somebody else and then it'll hit somebody else. And then just this big daisy chain of all these people getting hit. It reminds me of the, um, solar winds hack that happened several years ago that, you know, they, they were like the largest MSP provider and, you know, they themselves being hacked. It's not, that's not just solar winds. That's solar winds plus the MSPs that use it. Plus all of those clients. Like that is like, that is a huge level and that's, I mean, that's not even going into what's happening more recently, where we're having, as soon as a Microsoft vulnerability comes out, 
there's <laughs> there's something exploiting that vulnerability happening almost yeah. day one to the point where if there's a patch, some people don't even want to patch immediately because they don't know if that patch is going to introduce a new vulnerability. Right. They say test the patch first. Yeah, they always but want to then test what's it. the time to test the patch? Right. So now you have this yeah, gap. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, that's that. It's it's always interesting. But going back to a point you were making earlier about these uh, warranties that some companies are starting to offer, uh, always read the fine print and find out exactly yeah. what you're getting from that. Um, but th- yeah, that, that, w- that was one thing that I, I actually enjoyed was w- working with an underwriter to create language or, or the TNC terms and conditions as they speak mm-hmm. in the insurance industry um, that were extremely simple, extremely bl- black and white, clear. There, there's, you know, in a full cyber policy or any, basically any full insurance policy, it's, it's very broad mm-hmm. coverage which the purchaser might see to their advantage. But anyone who's ever filed a claim knows it's not written to your advantage. <laughs> right? right. It's it's written it's in the eye of the beholder's advantage, the you know, the underwriter who says, "Oh, well, you know, this this wasn't uh you know, whatever it might be. Well, your tires were bald and so that kind of falls back on you. So the reason you still off the road was not because they were wet, but because you, you didn't maintain the car. And here's this term that says you have to maintain the car. Well, wear and tear. Or, you know, what's kind of being well known now is uh, Lloyd's, Lloyd's of London is no longer um, accepting claims that could be from uh, state actors. Right? right? And so the, uh, I believe it was not, not Petya, uh, attack mm, that happened mm-hmm, that and it uh, it propagated the, the kind kind of like the, the the nexus or the attribution really was around like a uh, some type of accounting software in ukraine if i remember correctly the servers were housed in the closet they're very loosely <laughs> protected uh, not a lot of security protocols in place right. and then, then Lloyd's the underwriter for for um, I think I believe it was Maersk, the shipping company, right. said, "Well, this this is most likely the uh, you know the act of a government." Well, it started at a an accounting firm, yeah, but it was planted there through this and this, and we don't cover that. We we can't we can't be involved in acts of war, right? And then it falls under whole another cloth. And so when you <clears throat> when you start to I know we haven't talked about it much this episode, but when you start to use logic, computer written code and things that are called smart contracts, that is essentially like an encapsulated code that is only operable when certain conditions are met. Mm-hmm. And that's how most people look at a paper contract for insurance is, yeah, I slid off the road, condition was met, where's my payment? Yeah. And and now the fun really begins for that guy, right? Yeah. Where in our situation, because we have translated a very straightforward, simple level of coverage into a, a binary code residing in a in a block on a blockchain that will only be triggered when data hits it to meet certain triggers. Right. As as people are expecting with paper contracts, but that's not the way it, 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 it comes to fruition. It's the way it's always been. 
it's an interpretation as we're speaking about, but in this, there is no interpretation. If, if A, then B. It's basic if logic. X, then Y. That's right. It's yeah. it's, bi it's binary. It's, uh, in some fashions, it's parametric in the insurance world. Right. But that that to me, that's really exciting because you're able to increase a level of truth in this necessity of financial protection for your business that you can never get in a paper contract because it's left open to interpretation at some level. Yeah, well, right? So always. when you look at it in that fashion and you say, the data says this, the smart contract can't change because it's on chain and this is the inputs, the inputs were validated by a third party, the centralized network, and you start to raise this level of truth. I think that, I think in the in the long run, you're going to see the entire world move in this direction. And like we spoke about in the last episode, some of the biggest financial institutions are already moving in that direction. Absolutely. Bank of New York Mellon, the largest asset, um, at, sorry, custodial manager in the world, DTC, largest stock clearing, quadrillions of dollars in transactions, yeah. SWIFT, the back end for all wire trans, most wire transactions worldwide. They're all moving to use some form of Web3 check technology and validation. So why would anyone bet on a paper contract when you could have something that's out of the reach of human interpretation? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I, I, I definitely would agree. I mean, this is not my history or wheelhouse, but knowing insurance companies and the running joke is the insurance company will do everything they can to not pay out. I mean, a short sidebar, one of the first major accidents I got, I got into, I got rear-ended at a stoplight. Stop, light was red, light turns green. I put the clutch in, put it into first gear. It was a manual, by the way, if anybody doesn't yeah, know I what guess. that means. <laughs> put in the clutch <laughs> before I even get it into first. Boom, get rear-ended by this guy behind me. And <laughs> I'll spare you some of the details of the character of this person but uh long story short while we were waiting for his insurance uh he he offered some uh some things that are legal in some states and not others and not legal <laughs> here and uh when i was making my statement to the insurance company and i told them pretty sure he was under the influence of something and they're like uh but you were driving a manual and uh you stalled the engine and i was like okay but he rear-ended me. If I even stalled the engine, that shouldn't matter. Like, oh, but you might have stalled the engine. And it, it right. took an yeah. extra two and a half months of, right. of them calling me and getting my statement and me basically saying, saying this dude was high and rear-ended me. This should be an open and shut case. And they're right. just like, well, it's a manual. Uh, you, you could have stalled the engine, but it's. Yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah. We're, we're, what we're looking at here with these technologies is, is I, I, as I mentioned, I can't remember if it was this episode or the one before, we're eliminating that he said, she said, just getting That's rid right. of it. It's just, we're looking at the data. Did this happen? Did this not? And I know some car insurance some of these smart cars like really smart cars have onboard computers that log sure. what happens at the time of accidents yep so Tesla, like, they'll, they'll have they'll cameras and speed log. and all that stuff so it's it's yeah, no, the, definitely the way we're going that your anecdote is applicable and you know people have just never been you know shown 
a better solution. Exactly. Right. And you know, that, that, that is a, to, to us, it's a driving factor in this business is, is to, is to increase a level of trust and, you know, just business process that, that people aren't used to, which, you know, we're having some success with, but I think long-term this, this was what everyone's going to go to. We're just early, but it's, you know, it's, it's something where if given the choice, why would you ever buy a paper contract? If you could buy one that's completely driven by data, assuming that you can know that the, that the data is trusted. Right. Right. So why would you ever want to have to deal with a human who can be having a bad day or who is inherently biased because he works for the company that issued the, the policy right. and He's it's his an job to it. kind of find a middle ground, try, kind of try to keep you happy, give you just enough, maybe say your car is not worth quite as much, all out the window now, Yep. right? So that model is being used in a couple of really cool industries. We happen to take that model and apply it to cyber, which is, uh, in my opinion, inherently more challenging than some of the other industries, industries that are using it. But, you know, we're gluttons. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, um, but yeah, you know, we want to increase the trust of this process, especially at a time where businesses are being left out to dry right. or are being forced to jump through hoops and pay you know, multiple times more for what they already had. Now, again, I'm not saying that we're apples for apples coverage, but what I am saying is, is our product is inherently more trustworthy, inherently more accurate, inherently faster, and can provide a level of coverage that will be enough for you as a business owner, given this incident or peril, right? Right. And I think that uh, with that, I think we're kind of hitting the end. Also, we're hitting a, a <laughs> new record length. So with that, we'll <laughs> say a... uh, <laughs> we'll say goodbye and save the rest of the uh, stories for the next episode. Um, Great. But thanks for joining, Brian. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening. Yep. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert.